1: They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD Plus. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk free for up to a hundred days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra fifteen percent. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15 Qualia NAD plus. It's what I use. Today's cool fact of the day is that DNA evidence now shows That the myth of the Amazonian woman was actually more likely an aggressive Scythian female warrior who smoked pot, drank a powerful fermented milk, had lots of tattoos, wore pants, and loved men. Uh, The Amazonians had fierce battle scars and were buried with their weapons. Okay, that's kind of badass. I kind of like that as a a good, cool fact of the day. And it's particularly important, uh, given who today's guest is. for a seven-day free trial. Now, I'm really excited about today's guest because today's guest is is none other than than Oprah. Wait, hold on, let me read that. Oh, I'm sorry, it's (laughs) Erin Oprea. I'm Erin, I I apologize, no. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Uh, Erin's a a (laughs) former Marine who completed two tours in Iraq. Uh, She was the first female platoon leader in a war zone and a certified personal trainer since she was 18 years old, and she runs Opria Fitness, where she works with really elite clients like uh, Carrie Underwood, who's, uh, wait, Carrie Underwood's in Supergirl now, right?
2: Oh my gosh, does she not look amazing right now?
1: She totally does, and so you, you, you helped her out, huh?
2: Yeah, she looks awesome, she's worked hard. It's hard work, dedication, it's a lot of clean eating, so she's put in the work too.
1: Now you documented the stuff you do with uh, with Carrie and your other celebrity clients in your new book called the Four by Four Diet and I wanted to have you on the show to talk about some of the the areas where we agree and, and even a couple where we don't necessarily agree but you're you're all over this high intensity stuff and I mean you look great too so let's let's talk about this. I think people listening would would love to know uh, how do you get the kind of results you get for people who really like like they they get paid to look the way they look like, like this is where the metal, uh, uh, whatever the rubber hits the road. Cause if metal hits the road, it's, you know, kind of screechy and it sparks <laughs> where the rubber hits the road.
2: <laughs> so, you know, um, I am about the high intensity. I do like high intensity and sometimes it's more a three mile run though. So on off days you want to do that kind of stuff too. But high intensity, I've seen such a big change in all my clients' bodies. It's not just carry underwood. It's everybody's. It fits good into busy lifestyles. Um, and it's fast, and it, the Tabatas make it a fun game. And I think that's probably what's taken the biggest hit for people is it's not as boring as a lot of people think. A lot of workouts are. When you say, "Ah, oh, it's twenty seconds," I can do this, and you can do in your mind, you can do anything for twenty seconds. So that's what I think um, changes the aspect of working out is making more of a for, game out of it.
1: For someone it, listening who doesn't know about a Tabata, can you <laughs> walk walk me through what that is?
2: So Tabata, so Tabata is my favorite style of training. What it is, is it's four minutes of high intensity workout. It's 20 second bursts of exercise followed by 10 seconds of rest for eight rounds. So, and you can do that with all different exercises. You can do four exercises through the eight rounds and do, it. so you would repeat everything twice. You can do two exercises, so like on the even rounds you do one exercise and the odd rounds you do another exercise, or you can make it really hard and do the same exercise for all eight rounds.
1: Oh, that'll totally kick your butt.
2: That's my favorite. Like, Tabata sprints on a treadmill, yeah. killer. And not to mention push-ups. Like, I can do push-ups for days. day. I, I love push-ups. I can do tons of push-ups. But when you do them in that Tabata form, they're they a killer. I mean, they destroy me. I love them.
1: So, when you're doing Tabatas on a treadmill, do you just hop off for so You do 20 for yeah, seconds? Just,
2: I just brace myself on the side things and jump my feet out so I don't stop the treadmill. Otherwise, it would okay. take the whole time.
1: I, I always to, have a hard time with sprints on treadmills because it takes too long to come up to speed. And, and so I, I, I'm i like more, I, I don't think spinning or like riding a bike does that much. So I, I tend to go outside, but I live in a rainforest.
2: Oh, <laughs> so I'm
1: on Vancouver Island, but like it, it is oh, like technically yeah. a rainforest. It's yeah. just not a, a tropical rainforest. So you're like, I don't want to go running in the mud. That's annoying.
2: You know, I don't like doing sprints as much outside. Maybe if I was on a field, like, but not through my neighborhood. I like yeah. when I do that in time. I want to be more somewhere where it's controlled because then I can just stop at the twenty seconds and yeah. I don't have to backtrack. You know what I'm talking about? Like right, I have a right. set set path. If I want elevation, the elevation stays the same. So if I want to put on the treadmill, sometimes I do it with hill training. Not always sprints. I'll jack the treadmill up high. Okay. And uh, you know, run at a good speed, but not a sprint speed, and just do all hills. And man, does it kill you! But I've seen such a big difference, not just in myself, but in all my clients. Because when I say, hey, we're going to run for 10, that means like, oh, you know, Like, but if I say, hey, we're going to get on here we're going to do sprints and it's going to be quick. You have 20 seconds and that is it. Then you get to rest. You're like, oh, I got this 20 seconds. Well, really, when they get to the end of the four minutes, they're like, holy cow, you aren't kidding. That's hard.
1: One of the big things I've studied a lot is, is willpower. And a big part of, of the bulletproof approach is like controlling willpower towards food, but willpower towards exercise, it, it it's the same thing. Like, like willpower is a finite resource, and if you're gonna go grind out, you know, a, a really long run where you push yourself the whole way, it doesn't matter how well you've trained your willpower. it, it is trainable to a certain point, but as like everyone hits a wall, uh, uh, you might move the wall a little bit, but you're you're taking it out when you burn the willpower, but. It doesn't take very much willpower. It's like one unit of willpower to run for, for 20 seconds. And, and you're like, okay, and then you, and then you break. But if, it's, it's not that grind against that, because if you burn all your willpower on your workout, you might have got some energy, but you, you, don't, you might not want to like make a big decision later in the day. You, you might not want to just bring it all the way, because like you, you do burn something that's vital, right? I mean, right. Do, you, do you sense that, or do you just get more energy from you know, your five-mile hard run? You, you might be one of those crazy people.
2: I mean, I do, enjoy, I do enjoy long runs, too. Yeah. I, I don't do a lot of them. More, my, I'm more of a soccer player. Soccer, boxing, sprinting is cool. more mine, but I do five-mile runs, too. Yeah. So I mix them in. I'll do a couple a week, but, but I... But these
1: are, are these slow runs, or are these like pushing it hard runs?
2: No, they're pretty comfortable pace. Oh,
1: okay, cool. That, that's a different... Yeah, element, not right?
2: not a sprint run. I'm not, okay. not trying to compete on them or anything. Those are my comfortable just go to a different place in my mind and just relax and go for a stroll. That's kind of the runs, like my longer runs, that's what they are. And then the high intensity is where I'm like balls to the wall. Let's hit it.
1: So how often do you recommend high intensity training?
2: You know what I say? It depends on what you're doing. If you're doing sprints, obviously you don't want to do those back to back. Your body needs to recover. I would give myself two day break in between each set of sprints. But if I was doing like, like, Tabata, sometimes if you're doing them with weights, you could do Tabata the next day too. You just break up the body parts. So I wouldn't recommend using the same body parts back to back. So it depends on how you're doing, what you're doing your Tabata, your high intensity with. So like sprints, you break those up. But if you're doing eight rounds of Tabata curls, man, what a change I've seen in biceps just doing that. It seems basic. It's not going to be a winding exercise, but I've seen such a difference in people's bodies, like the way their muscles have developed.
1: So I, a lot of the approaches that I do are, are like kind of Doug McGuff based, and it's high intensity, but it's not a Tabata with weights. And, and I'm I actually I'm going to experiment with, with what you're doing. I also do a lot of weird electrical and machine based like heavy loading stuff, uh, because well I, I have a laboratory for that that. But I, That's I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Lots of toys. It's, it's like I'm having a blast. But it, it's I'm, I'm intrigued. Like just for biceps, if I wanted to do Tabata style bicep curls, or if anyone listening wanted to. Do I want to be dead, like, at the end of the eighth set? Do I want to, like, be unable to lift it? So then I want to, like, so maybe it's, like, a 40-pound dumbbell? Like, like, like how heavy do I want to go for these?
2: So... For a, let's just take a female, for example, sure. a lot of times an eight pound dumbbell for most women, if you do eight rounds of Tabata curls is about all they're able to do.
1: And how fast do you do this? Am I, are you flopping no, this yeah. around? No,
2: uh, no, no, no. It's okay. never flopping. It's definitely <laughs> a very controlled manner. You want to make sure you get that good contraction, good squeeze on the biceps and you want to make sure you're keeping proper form. We don't want injuries, okay. of course, you know, um, but sometimes you have to strip in the middle, like you might get to round four and be like, I can no longer keep the right form. So you drop the weight. You drop okay. the weight if you need to. But form is obviously the most important thing. I'm huge on form. And so I'm just so sure like are one too. or two
1: seconds minimum.
2: Yeah, just like just a good controlled, not not holding at the top, not holding at the bottom, just nice and controlled movements.
1: Okay. And and so you're doing this with weights, you're doing this with body weight exercise, and you're doing this with sprints. So we're, we're in pretty good alignment on that stuff. Like high intensity. I I would probably think about more recovery, but you're also dealing with celebrities who have to look kind of lean and ripped in a way that I actually don't want to look that way. Um, one of my proudest moments, the New York Times called me almost muscular. I'm like, win.
2: <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> almost muscular, huh?
1: <laughs> I'm like, great. I wasn't flabby. I wasn't fat. And I wasn't like super ripped because that's, that's not what I want, right?
2: So most of mine are not trying to get super ripped. It, I mean, most of my, the female clients are mostly just lean. Yeah. The, most of them are not looking to bulk. I don't look to get big.
1: It, it's hard um, for women to get big anyway. Like that's not the deal. Unless you're 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 really working it in a specific way, or unless you're you're using supplemental something. stuff.
2: Yeah, and so, I don't yeah. recommend. I don't. I'm not an advocate of any supplements, really.
1: What, what about like bioidentical hormones? I, I mean, I'm an anti-aging guy, really, <laughs> more than anything else. But yeah. so many of the 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 celebs I talk to. Uh, even I was just interviewing Mark Sisson the other day. He's on supplemental testosterone. He's he's sixty three. I, I took testosterone for eight years when my levels were too low. D- do you just not not get into that with clients? I or do clients
2: not do get into. It. I let them okay. deal with the doctors and let all Got their blood it. get tested. I do have clients on it. Okay, but um, does it I seem to help or? Um. So are you talking more males or females?
1: Uh, both. I, it seems like for for women, like once you hit like forty. Just a little bit of testosterone or a little bit oh my of, gosh. of progesterone,
2: sex drive.
1: <laughs> I've <laughs> totally. heard that
2: big time. And women that have taken the testosterone, their sex drive, and their husbands love it. Um, totally.
1: <laughs> I'm on a mission <laughs> to get women everywhere on testosterone. <laughs> just
2: I have never taken it though, but I am definitely intrigued by. It. I want to get all mine tested one day and just see. I mean, I don't know if mine's low or high, but I have never. I mean, I've never said. You need to take it, but I've said if they lack energy and they lack yeah. everything, go get it checked. You know I let the doctor definitely decide on that
1: and, and like during heavy training, whether you're a man or a woman, just at very different levels, but having enough testosterone or any of the other hormones, adrenal hormones, like it can let you do the, the high intensity interval training more frequently uh, without hitting an overtraining zone right. Do you, with, with a kind of, I mean, you're, you're dealing with people who fly all over the world, they're like on set with bad food and, and bad lighting for 18 hours a day, and mm-hmm. you know, the, like like at least the, the few celebrities that I've had a chance to work with are, they're ballers, like like they have to have it mentally, they have to look good, uh, and they have to, like like just, it's actually punishing what, what happens there. Do you get overtraining symptoms in, in people because of their day job, like, like. Mm.
2: Think so. I think the way we change is not every day do we do Tabata. Like some okay. days we'll do a lot of small movements where it's just little weights and we're just doing little shoulder presses and things like that. Just small, small, tight movements. You know, no okay. flopping, no, and not burpees. And then one day we're going to throw in the high intensity. So we kind of alter it all the time. And some days is more cardio based. Some days we're going to just go run and we're going to do stuff outside. And then, so it change, every day it changes. So I really haven't seen that. And nobody trains every day either. Yeah. So, you know, so there's always rest days. And the rest days I still want people to move though, because I think our bodies are made to move. And so even on your rest day does not mean you lay on the couch for the day. I recommend you still get your 10,000 steps in. Our bodies are built to move. We feel better when we're moving. Um, that doesn't mean you need to go get 50,000 steps in a day, but (laughs) (laughs) you should move as I, I feel like I see a change in people's bodies. Like even if you do one hour of exercise, does that mean you're, does that, that doesn't mean that you can sit the rest of the day, you know, do your one hour, but still continue to get your activity through the day. Our bodies are meant to move. And so I love to
1: see that. What do you recommend for clients when they're like, "Well, I wanted to move, but I was on set all day. Like it, it seems like like I have a I, I know it's good to move. I, I have a standing desk, I have an adjustable height stand desk, which I, I really like. Uh, you know, I stand on a little spongy ergo mat that like has different terrain. Uh, But still, there are days when, like, there really isn't going to be ten thousand steps. Uh, Like, what what do, what should I do on those days?
2: You know what? That's days that we all have. I have those days too because sometimes I'm just training, and that means sometimes I'm standing in one person's living room the whole time, so I'm not getting much steps in myself. So a lot of times for me, that means a lot of jump. I go jump rope. I mix it in when I can. Like even for them, they can jump rope sometimes on set, or sometimes it's just they might not get their ten thousand. But try your hardest to get up and move every hour and do some kind of movement just to break from sitting. If you're on set and you're on camera, there's nothing you can do. Um, but yeah. just try your hardest to do anything you can in little breaks. So if it's five minutes, walk to the bathroom, um, something like that instead of just sitting.
1: I, I built a, a pull-up bar. It's actually above the camera. It's this cool steampunk-looking thing. So like I'll, I'll walk over and do a couple of pull-ups and I have the, I manufacture a whole body vibration plate called the Bulletproof Vibe. And sometimes if I have like five minutes, if I'm on my my headset, I'll actually go stand on it and my voice is like,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny. people
1: usually don't know <laughs> like something to get some movement.
2: In. What's wrong with them? <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, but like even like Tabata is like, if you're working, say you have an office job all day. And you're sitting yeah. there and at lunchtime, if you pack your lunch, then you have your whole lunch break because so oh, you don't yeah. have to drive to a restaurant, which not only are you going to save calories, now you have time to get a quick little workout in. So, and the bonus is now after lunch, you're not going to want to take a nap because if you pack a nice healthy lunch, you're not going to be in the carb overload where you're just going to want to go to sleep, which is what happens when you load up yeah. on a lot of bread and a lot of pasta, and a lot of stuff like that. You feel heavy and you're ready for a nap. So if you eat a nice, healthy, nutritious lunch, and then you can knock out a couple bodies, or go for a walk then. And then you feel re- rejuvenated for the day, the rest of the day.
1: Yeah, just getting the blood flowing is so big. And and I, I've recommended for years with people, like if you go to a gym or you go hook up with a trainer and the trainer only talks about exercise and doesn't talk about food, you should just get a different trainer. Because I didn't know this, I used to weigh 300 pounds. Oh really? And I worked out an hour and a half a day, six days a week, half weights, half cardio, like 15 degree inclined treadmill wearing a backpack. I'm like, I'm just gonna pound this out. And I, I didn't lose any weight. I could like max every machine in the gym and, and I'm fat and inflamed. And, and I did this for more than a year and was just like really frustrated and I was kind of angry for a while <laughs> a long time ago because when I switched the diet, I was able to lose the weight. And I'm like, it's a combination. Uh, and like how your muscles look, that's going to be how you exercise. And how much body fat you have, that's going to be what you eat for the vast majority of it. And then that last little bit, the area where you play, is that combination of, of diet and exercise. Because you know, getting below whatever your percentage is, is, is rough. And that's it, where celebrities want to be.
2: Right. But you know what? You can't out-train a bad diet. It doesn't matter how much you work out. I'm a yeah. big fan of that. It, you have to eat clean. If you want to see all the hard work that you've done. Your eating has to be on fire; it's not going to work. You got to tag team both those together. The and movement's the- going to make you feel better. Nutrition's going to make you feel better. But in order to see all the muscles that you've developed, you have to lean out your body, and that's going to be done through eating.
1: Yeah, you, you can't earn a potato chip; like, like it doesn't <laughs> work like that, right? No, we're not.
2: <laughs> we're not dogs. We don't reward ourselves with food.
1: <laughs> I could balance a potato chip on my nose.
2: <laughs> Special <laughs> talent.
1: Now. One thing I, I like about your book, the Four x Four Diet, is is that you, you've got both sides of it, and I, I I find that that sometimes books are just all food or all exercise, and and having both, it's just it's it's like those are two sides of a coin. You talk about four toxic foods in your book that wreak havoc on your body. Like, what are the four most toxic foods that you deal with?
2: It's not necessarily four foods; it's four food things. Like, first one is cutting out starches at night. So I feel what I've seen through all these all my clients and just my own body is when I eat starches at night, when I wake up in the morning I'm puffy, I'm swollen. So cutting out the starches in the evening, eating them early in the day when you have time to use them, I've seen a big difference in, in body bodies change so fast when they do that. So cutting out the pizzas the pastas. But even like the brown rice and stuff, is st- those are the great carbs. But eat those starches earlier in the day. Like pizza so have have and
1: pasta aren't the great carbs. No,
2: the brown rice. <laughs>
1: okay, I was oh like, come no on. <laughs> no no!
2: Pizza pasta, we want to cut those out completely. <laughs> right, good and good. I mean, have a cheat meal. We have to occasionally have something. Otherwise, people are just going to crash and burn and say, "Forget this! I hate this!" You know. So occasionally having pizza is okay. I mean, that's what makes it a lifestyle, not a diet. We don't want people to quit. We okay. want them to live like this forever. So, but yeah, cutting out the starches at night, even the whole wheat pasta, all that kind of stuff, the sweet potatoes, just eat them earlier in the day. And then the second one is sodium. Is People don't realize how much sodium – or the second one is sugar. Mm-hmm. Sugar is in everything. It's not – and I'm not saying we need to cut sugar out because that's – one, you, there's a lot of great sugars. The, the natural sugars are great. We want to eat our fruits and stuff. But we need to watch all the added sugar, which is in everything. And look at that awesome chocolate bar you have, right? I need to try that out. Oh, yeah. It's so that'd be, Yeah. yeah. That would be a great one. I bet my clients would love that, too. So I'm going to have to share that one around. But, um, like, so because everyone wants something sweet after dinner. Berries are always great. Um, then dark chocolate. I like dark chocolate dipped in a little bit of peanut butter or almond butter. Mm. Oh, Yeah. That's one of my favorites. That's
1: like a classic thing and it has essentially no sugar, right? Depending on how dark the chocolate really is, what else is in it. But if you do it right, it's zero sugar and like it's good.
2: Yeah, yours, yours is zero sugar. That's why I want to yeah. try that one. I'm really, really interested in that. It's very intriguing to me. Um, I, and then sodium. I mean, sodium is in so much of our food and we think that we're eating healthy. You could go to a restaurant and you can order chicken and broccoli and still be at 2000 milligrams because they just blast everything with so much salt
1: do you have like a recommended minimum and maximum for sodium
2: i try to stay around in between like 18 to 2000
1: i usually stay
2: on the low side
1: that's pretty low so i that's an area where where i definitely have seen different research and there's a what's the guy's name i probably have it off the top top of my head he was the the head of the biggest journal on hypertension uh, who looked at all cause mortality in sodium consumption and what they what they had found was a, a u-shaped curve and that when you went under a certain amount your risk of heart attack went up because of, of an enzyme called renin so when you drop sodium below it turns out it's about 2100 you know, 2.1 grams when it drops below there your renin levels start to go up and your heart attack risk goes up and if you go above somewhere around like four or five, it, your risk starts to go up uh, on on the other end of the curve. And it, it was weird because the more stress you're under, the more your adrenals want salt. And I found for myself I was doing everything healthy, so I had cut my salt to the point like my blood pressure was too low, <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, you weren't having any salt. Though. No, so, I wasn't so I was not
1: having any salt. I, I was still getting some salt, but I wasn't having very much salt. And I'm like, I'm a big guy. I don't need low blood pressure. Like, like when you're as big as I am, it needs right. to be higher because there's a bigger distance between your heart and your brain and like you don't want to pass out when you stand up. Right. Uh, so I, I found that, that varying salt based on exercise and stress is important. If you're getting puffy, you got a problem. But if you're not getting puffy and you still crave salt, like there's probably a reason you're craving salt, and it might be okay for you. In fact, this might even be good for you.
2: And sometimes, though, we crave it because that's what we're used to eating, too. Totally. You know, you, I was a salt saltaholic. I mean, I salted pizza. It's kind of yeah. I, I love salt, and then one day I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. I need to cut this back. This is bad. Um, I noticed it everywhere in my body, from my cheeks to my fingers. I mean, I just my stomach. And as soon as I started cutting that out. Just not obviously, I didn't cut it out. You can't—that's unhealthy. But I just started cutting it way back, and what a difference I saw when I did that.
1: Yeah, you'll see a difference in how you look, and and I I I find it's very individual. Like like different people have different levels, and that was a learning experience for me to to go too low. And if if you're too high, like I said, you are going to get bloating. And then there's the counteracting things like taking potassium. Taking magnesium and the sodium magnesium ratio is actually pretty important too. And and you said you don't do supplements. You're not, you're not like a fan of magnesium or vitamin D or anything like that.
2: Actually, I do take vitamin D. Oh, I cool. Take vitamin D. Yes, it's, I take vitamin D every other day. I,
1: yes. I, it actually you can do it once a week. It doesn't really matter. It it stays in the body pretty well as long as you don't take it before bed. It's not good before bed. No,
2: I take it first thing in the morning. I take that and I do Juice Plus. Have you ever?
1: Yeah, I've heard of that. Wow. (laughs) Blast from the past, right?
2: Right. I do. I enjoy it though. And I saw such a change in my hair and my nails and stuff. Yes. In my energy level. As soon as I started taking them, I know it sounds weird, but at first I was like, really? Uh, I'll just see. Let's see what it does. But man, I I do enjoy that product.
1: That's cool. So that's
2: the only thing I take.
1: It's totally worth trying to see what works. And like, like you said, if you try it and it works, it doesn't matter if if every study double blinded out there says it, it can't possibly work,
2: if it works for you, why
1: not? Like like I'm sorry, empirical evidence trumps double blind studies. You're like, if I smack myself in the head and it hurts, I'm pretty sure that it hurts, even if the studies say it doesn't hurt or there are no studies. Like like it.
2: correct. And everybody reacts differently to everything. Every yeah. single person is different. And it, really, Juice Plus is technically not even a supplement. It's yeah. a it's a food product. That, right. So it's, not under the supplement list,
1: anyways. I hear what you're saying. Like, like there's a lot of things that are foods. Uh, I have that same thing with uh, the brain octane oil I make. Like, it's you know, you could consider it a supplement. It's a, a hypercritical, uh, you know, uh, it's actually it's not technically hypercritical, but it, it's a very um, a very rare extract of coconut oil, and you can actually say it's a supplement or say it's a food. But I'm like, it comes from food, so it's food.
2: And it has a does it have a food label on it?
1: Uh, yeah, that one does have a food label on it. It does. Yeah, but it, it's one of the things that can be in the supplement aisle, it can be in the food aisle, and you can go either way, and it's, it's very weird with, on the regulatory side what, what happens with all sorts of things. You know, even chocolate should probably have a, a supplement label on it when it's done right.
2: <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. I yeah. mean, like,
1: chocolate has powerful effects, and if you want yeah. to talk about the effects, it has to be labeled as a supplement. So if you put chocolate in little pellets and, and made them look like a supplement and labeled them like a supplement, you could probably say chocolate did good things for your health. But I'm not doing that. I'm just saying it tastes good. <laughs>
2: It is healthy, though there are health benefits to it.
1: Now, given this combination that you use um, of getting rid of these things, I'm, uh, I, I'm actually I got ask one more question before we go into like the results that you're getting. Uh, when I when I work with clients, especially as they're going low carb, I, I use a cyclical ketogenic approach. I find that if they don't have a small amount of carbohydrate in the evening, especially in women, that their sleep quality goes down a lot. And you have a different approach where you have more starches earlier in the day. Do you do you see effects on sleep with with the way you're setting up the day?
2: Man, I sleep like a champ. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I you know, I wear a Fitbit too that monitors my sleep. I mean, there's lots of other brands out there that do oh, yeah. that, but that one I happen to wear is Fitbit. And I have like one or two restless and I don't eat any starches in
1: the night. Um, cool. So it, it's totally working for you. Yeah. And, it,
2: and I've never had anyone else say that they can't sleep when they don't eat starches. Actually, I feel the people that do eat starches at night they say it gives them crazy dreams. I get that a lot. Like when they eat when they don't eat them, and then they eat starches in the evening, they say that their dreams are all weird, and then they wake up really puffy, and then they wake up with a bad taste in their mouth when they eat a bunch uh, of starches. Yeast.
1: The, yeah. Both of those symptoms are yeast, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're getting candida growing at night, you get that dragon breath and the weird dreams. Okay. Yeah. The uh, uh, and you're not using ketosis as part of your program, right? No. Okay, cool. That may be a big difference there be, because I find if they're in ketosis, then they get the sleep issues that they don't have small amounts of starch, but that your clients are having starch just earlier in the day, so they have enough glycogen that they're making it through the night. And it's no yeah, day.
2: I definitely don't believe with cutting out starches. I don't believe cutting out carbs. I feel like when you cut out any one thing and you tell someone they can't have it, that's all they can think about.
1: Yeah, it's it, it gets to be really obsessive, and, and that's one reason I, I'm going cyclical. I'm like, don't eat them for a few days and then eat them and don't eat them for a few days and eat them so you, you kind of do go Do you feel
2: like when you do that, do you feel like you go overboard because you're just like, okay, two more days and I get to have as much as I want, two more days, two more days. Do you feel like, so when you do have them, it's like a free for all and you can't stop?
1: Not, not anymore. I, when I first started doing this stuff, you know, more than a decade ago, absolutely. You're like, oh my god, it's cheat day, like tacos and cherry turnovers and burritos, and you know, it, it, that doesn't work because then you'll have cravings for days and days. So, with the approach uh, uh, from Bulletproof, it's that you're eating a, a very high, very clean fat diet with moderate amounts of high-quality protein, tons of veggies, but no starch and no sugar. And you supplement ketones with brain octane, so you're getting into ketosis faster than you normally would biologically. And once you're in ketosis, you don't care about food. You lose all cravings and you just, whatever, like, like you almost just don't want to eat. And you do that for three, four, five, six days. And then when it's time to come out of ketosis, instead of going crazy, you're like, okay, this is the day where I'm going to eat like sweet potatoes and I do white rice instead of brown because people get bloating from brown. Mm-hmm, they do. I've um,
2: seen that. Actually, I don't really love rice in general. Yeah. I would rather a sweet potato, anyways, makes me feel better.
1: But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are an amazing food, and they make, yeah. if you bake them, they make really good fries,
0: right? Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, why would
1: you eat rice if you have sweet potatoes? But it's good to switch up sometimes. But you, uh, you, you do this, and, and then on that day, because you're still in mild ketosis because of the octino, you know, you're still, you're like, I, I just I don't need food. Like, like the, the, the cravings that used to just plague me when I was obese. I just simply don't care about food. Like I could skip my next three meals, and I'd be like, by that by that time, I'd be like, you know, it's really about time to eat. I can feel I'm a little hungry, but it's not like end of the world hunger. And before it was like, oh my god, I can't wait fifteen minutes, or I'm gonna like eat the person in front of me, and like that change for me was just what liberated me.
2: You know what? I will say I I um, I'm pretty active. Actually, I'm extremely active. Pretty yeah. much every day. I'm hyperactive and I'm hungry a lot. Um, I control what I eat. I don't crave foods. I mean, I crave eating, but I don't crave junk food. There is, like, I don't crave pizza. I used to. um, I broke all the cravings. I have no sugar cravings whatsoever, (laughs) which is really a nice place to be in, but it wasn't easy to get there. But once you kind of get there, it's like, whoa, I don't, there's no, I don't need sugar anymore. I don't need pizza. Like, in October, I decided, I'm gonna do this October bass thing on Instagram. Give up one thing, and I was eating like a whole large pizza one day a week. Wow. Yeah, I love to eat. Um, but so I decided I'm giving up pizza completely. I need to. I need to get the cravings out of my mind. I've got to stop. So I did it for a month, and those I've had like two pieces of pizza since October. Those cravings are completely gone. And so, and it, it didn't. That was my only craving was pizza. And once I broke that, I have zero cravings now, which is really nice. I do. Get hungry. I mean, I, I like to eat. Um, I eat every probably about every three or four hours. Sometimes less than that. Um, but I just don't crave junk food.
1: Well, it's it's amazing what just cleaning up the diet does. And people who are listening who are like like super familiar with with the approach that that I've evolved. Uh, one of the things that, that I, I do on purpose, I, I interview all sorts of people. I've had like vegans on, <laughs> like zero-fat vegans, because what works for one group of people may not work for another. And, and like I, I really encourage people, try different things. Like Try eating starches earlier in the day, and it may completely like, upgrade everything you do. Try Tabata intervals, like in the 4x4 diet, and if, if that doesn't work, if you went for a jog every day that made you feel really good, I would probably laugh at you and go, ha ha, chronic cardio. But if you're looking good and feeling good, I actually would respect that so much. Like it, It's totally cool, whatever works. But we, like people like you who've practiced since you were 18, you can generally point people in a pretty good direction. And, and I, I really, I, that one size fits all approach kinda upsets me because I used to follow that when I weighed 300 pounds and it sure didn't fit me very well and neither did my pants.
2: <laughs> That's funny. I really feel like a lot of it is just cleaning up your eating, getting rid of as much processed food as you can, uh, going to a lot of vegetables, a lot of some raw, some cooked, just it, when you can ditch the junk food, the way you feel, the way you look, is a total transformation. I mean, it just feels so good. That is what um, I think what gives me the energy to do what I do all day long. Is if I eat junk food,
1: there's no way I'd be so tired. It, it's really funny. Almost every really successful entrepreneur uh, that I spend time with now has realized that. And all of them, and some of them, or some of them anyway, they have their vices occasionally. There's something. But for the most part, they've all noticed that if they're going to like run a business successfully... They need to not be eating a lot of junk food because they just don't make good decisions, and they're tired, just like you're saying. Same with me. You give me junk food; this stuff is like kryptonite for me. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a jerk. I'm gonna yell at my kids. Like it, I'm not gonna be very happy if I eat junk food, and it's just it's not worth it.
2: Junk food. Even if I drink wine, I love wine. I, I mean, wine in moderation is fine, and most women, men, whatever, we all enjoy our alcohol or drinks occasionally. But when I, ha- if I were to have two glasses, the next day I feel so. Awful. Now, I didn't used to be that way when I drank more often. I didn't realize the effects of what alcohol did mm-hmm. to me, but now like even one glass, I wake up and I just don't feel the way I normally feel in the morning, just from I, one glass of wine.
1: I've got to hook you up with a, a friend, uh, my friend Todd from Dry Farm Wine. Uh, I'll, I'll give him to send you some. It's bulletproof.com wine. And these guys did the same thing with wine that I did with coffee. They went through and like identified all the say. sources of toxins in wine. They lab test all their wine. They only work with a few growers and uh, Marxism and also uh, is a, uh, is a big fan and I don't drink wine anymore unless it's older than me for the same reason. I, I, there's actually a bunch of, of mold toxins from the fermentation process and there's biogenic amines and, and so I, I just don't process it very well. So I don't, perform great the next day, but I drink wine that's lab tested, that's made properly, and I feel completely normal. Do like you it's really? Com- it, it's totally, it's not the alcohol, I... it's the other byproducts of yeast in the wine. So I'll get him to send you some, like, like we'll make sure <sighs> after the it, show. Uh, Bulletproof.com slash wine for people listening. I just did a, a, a podcast with them, um, so people have probably already heard me interview Todd, but if you try that, you might just be like, oh my goodness, I can have red wine occasionally. And it's not going to knock me out like it normally does. Because like, it's nice to have red wine, right?
2: Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I love the flavor of wine. I just don't love the effects of how I feel.
1: Oh, I... we're going to totally hack that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm excited. Like, That's cool.
2: <laughs> now I'm going to want to drink wine every day. Come on now. Uh, just no, one glass, all right? That's right. Just one <laughs> glass. I do want to try it, though. That sounds pretty cool.
1: Now... What are the results you're getting? Like, like, give me like a big story about like massive results from the four by four diet. Well, I say diet and exercise because you're doing it together.
2: Okay, so here, this is not this is someone that was just very thin. Like, she was a very thin woman, and you know, people are like, "Oh, you're so skinny. You don't. You're fine. Why would you work out? You know, you're skinny already. Why do you need to eat healthy?" Well, she was. Um, she's very thin, and she couldn't even really make it up a flight of stairs just super wow. weak. Like she didn't drink, she drank zero water, which I think is really mm-hmm. important and tons of coffee, zero water.
1: Hold and, on. There's something to be said for that. I'm just
2: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's <pitcher> a <laughs> totally Don't
1: do that. Bad idea. <laughs> no bad idea.
2: But so she wasn't drinking any water. And uh, so we just started, we started doing the Tabatas. We started very slowly. I mean, she, the first workout we did like eight lunges and she puked like that's She was in Whoa. such bad shape and now she's like a whole new person. She's playing with her kids and she has more muscle and she just feels, I mean, she feels totally different. She's upped her water, she's dropped her coffee. Now, we did not cut coffee back, because I love coffee. I mean, coffee, <laughs> I, we, we drop drinking like 10 cups a day, but.
1: Yeah, 10 cups a day is not a good idea. And no. I, I, I tell people, they ask me that too. I'm like, no, seriously, even though I would like make another nickel or something, no, <laughs> like it just don't do it.
2: Did you see the study about coffee where it said six cups of coffee a day is curing all these cancers? Have you seen that? Have
1: I did you, see I have the not study. Studied,
2: I have not read enough about it to know anything about it, but I don't did, what are your I thoughts think, on that? I think
1: that? it was more helping you avoid it rather than cure it. Oh yeah, what so I meant avoid, yes, yeah, you're correct. I, I was I'm not allowed to post this study because I because um, yeah, I, I run a coffee company. Uh, but I, I'd like to. I, I found that there it was a really interesting study to read. It and was pancreatic
2: cancer, right? Was a big one. I
1: that think that was were? one of them, and th- there were a bunch of others. And and there's no like proof that that coffee did that. It, they found a, a clear association between coffee right. drinking. So there's a correlation, but not causation. Uh, but still, I, I put coffee in the superfood category because of its high polyphenol count. Because there's like, if you just Google coffee and health, like the number of studies out there is astounding there is it's like the opposite of of tobacco (laughs) like
2: (laughs) they were in that one study they were saying like two cups of coffee will keep prevent this cancer four cups of coffee will prevent this cancer all the way up to six cups of coffee prevented this cancer it was a pretty neat study though
1: you you know what i do that that I, i definitely read that when I started drinking Bulletproof, I went way down on the amount of coffee that I needed because normal coffee, you drink it, and then you crash, and you drink it, and then you crash, you drink it, and you crash. And with Bulletproof, you drink it, and then like four hours later, you land, but you never crash. Huh. So I drink like one or two cups a day, and that's it. And I'm like, I actually want to drink more coffee because of these studies. So I, I manufacture a decaf that I almost never talk about, but it's like the only low-mold decaf out there. And decaf coffee is, is allowed legally to have a lot more mold in Europe, and there's no limits in the U.S. at all. So it's usually like, you want to get a headache, drink decaf. So <laughs> I like did all this weird engineering and made a decaf, and I have started drinking like four cups of decaf in the afternoon just because I like it. And... I don't know if it's made a difference for me or not, but I'm drinking more coffee now just because I've seen all the studies that maybe I should have another couple cups. I and love just,
2: coffee at night. I love to sit on my couch with a cup, especially whoa. in the winter. We, with with so caffeine? We, no, no. I oh, would okay. Never. I was we, like, um, no, we put the um, with the French press. We nice. put the decaf in the French press, and I love that in the evenings.
1: That, that's the best way to make it because the metal filter gives you the coffee oils that have some of the effects of coffee. So you're you're totally rocking the coffee. I love it. Now, so you have this client who's super skinny, and she got her muscle mass back. Did she? Did she put on fat? It sounds like she needed to.
2: Um, I wouldn't say she needed to put on fat. She just needed to tighten Being up stronger. a little bit. Yeah, okay. she was. You know what some people refer to as skinny fat. You know, she was thin yeah. and but zero muscle. So yeah. I wouldn't say she put on fat. She just developed muscle underneath her.
1: Yeah, skinny fat is such a bad thing. You. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you don't see it, but it, it's not there. And when I, I met my wife, Dr. Lana, uh, she wasn't skinny fat, but she was so skinny, like she had, you know, a six pack, but she had no butt, and like to the point where when she sat down, it hurt because there was like not enough padding on her butt, and and she was cold all the time, and just she couldn't put on weight no matter how much she ate or what she ate. So we we tweaked her diet, and once we we got rid of the things that were messing with her. Uh, she was able to put on like 20 pounds. Some of it was muscle and some of it was like the right fat. We're like, oh, sure. look, I can sit down and it's comfy now. That's uh, awesome. And like my pants fit better and then stopped. And and it it's interesting that we have such a problem with obesity that people are, are so focused on that. But the people I know who are extremely lean are like, no, really, I, I would love to put on some muscle or I would love to put on just a little bit more body fat because I would feel better. And,
2: she, she never really said she wanted to put on body fat or okay. anything. What she wanted – was to feel good. That's all she wants. She's like, true. I want to have energy. I want to be able to my kids' bedrooms say, I want to be able to walk the stairs. I want to be able to play with my children. And she couldn't do anything at all. So it's made a world of difference. So people forget about the skinny people that still need to become healthy. So it's yeah. both sides. And then I've seen people, you know, that are just want to lose the last 10 pounds. Now you could do one little tweak. Sometimes that's that's just cutting out starches at night and all of a sudden they'll see that last little bit of weight will just go away
1: all right so there's a challenge for everyone on the bulletproof diet. Uh, try switching your starch around, have it at lunch and see if you get food cravings in the afternoon, which is my prediction <laughs> and but see if you feel better in the morning and you look tighter in the you
2: still like you still do things in your mind that make you feel like you're eating it. If you just say, "Well, I'm just gonna eat vegetables, well that doesn't work. you could do things like zucchini noodles that really helps Oh yeah. I love zucchinis with some fresh fish on top or whatever you want to put on it. Um, that kind of stuff still makes you feel like you're getting it without the food cravings being there. So you still yeah, feel like it, you're getting it.
1: I do the zucchini, but then I like soak it in butter and then like, oh yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't quite soak it in butter, but I do like I do like a little olive oil and lots and lots and lots of seasonings. I'm a seasoning fanatic. So I feel What's like- your
1: favorite seasoning?
2: You know, I've been on a dill kick lately.
1: I dill, That's, I, I didn't predict I, that one.
2: I know, I love, love, love dill and cayenne pepper. If you could see the amount of cayenne pepper I go, through, I get the big tubs? And nice. it lasts like two, three weeks.
1: Oh, so you're super into the cayenne.
2: And not uh, not necessarily for health reasons. I love everything super hot.
1: And you're in a part of the world where lots of food is pretty spicy, right? Where, where you live, you're somewhere down south. South right? some good barbecue, Tennessee, no? yeah. Okay.
2: I don't really ever go eat barbecue, but yeah, there's lots of that here.
1: You could probably get it on pizza if you wanted to, you know.
2: No pizza for me. I'm done. (laughs) I finally got rid of that one. (laughs) That took a while. That was a hard one for me.
1: All right. Let's talk a little bit about belly fat because that is the bane of every actor or actress who's had to go shirtless. Uh, What do you do to get rid of pesky belly fat?
2: That's the starches right there. Alcohol. Alcohol starts. I mean, alcohol
1: always puffs you out, man. That, it's just mm-hmm. not a good idea to drink every night if you want to look good.
2: No, and but you know we all think alcohol is our friend, but it really isn't. I mean, alcohol will pack on the weight really fast. It will leave you puffy and not feeling your best. So it's a combination It's so a lose lose right there. You're going to be puffy. You're going to gain weight, and you're not going to feel good.
1: You have a bunch of recipes in the book. And I, I just came out with the, the recipe book as well. And it, it's an enormous amount of work to come up with with all those yeah. things. How did you go about doing it?
2: Just playing with I mean, I spent weeks and weeks. My mom and I, we did it together. My mom, my husband, all of us did. And it's also things that I've just cooked over the years, just things that my family enjoys. And then I just tweak some things um, that a lot of people love in our society. I just tweak them to make them a little bit healthier. And I didn't want things that are Hard to cook. I don't love cooking. Absolutely actually I hate cooking. I know it's part of <laughs> life. So I do cook, but I don't enjoy cooking. So everything I cook is quick. If it doesn't take a couple minutes, I'm pretty much not gonna do it. And I do a lot of my cooking. I prep it and then I can just warm up because I'm never really home. So it's and then I'm on the road all day working. And so I take all my food with me for the whole day. So I, I prep a lot of food and take it to make life simple. But Coming up with most of my recipes were things that I had cooked over the years and things that people as, like, kids like that you could change to make them a little bit healthier, like the almond flour, chicken tenders, things like that, which are delicious. Um, chicken tenders, everyone loves chicken tenders, so it's just changing up to make them a little bit healthier. What that kind of recipes is, do you, did you do in yours? Uh,
1: we did 125 uh, recipes. Oh, that's a lot of work. Uh, it, I actually <laughs> ended up... Co like co working with a professional chef, actually several professional chefs, in order to incorporate like the principles of the diet. Because I I know the stuff I make and like all my classic recipes I make for my family, like like uh, creamed vegetables and there's a bunch of soups and a bunch of salads that are kind of core to what I do because they're convenient and easy. Uh, But some of the things that we were able to come up with, like there's a regular pear salad with chocolate on it, which which sounds chocolate. It it sounds ridiculous and uh, like like when. When the the chefs proposed that, I'm like, well, it meets all of our like macro goals here. It's got a little bit of fructose from the fruit, but not not too much. But I'm like, it doesn't sound like 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 it's going to do it. But it, it's so amazing that we served it at the last Bulletproof Conference uh, when you went to a few of the restaurants. It was like a signature salad. Um, we just got a, a bunch of local chefs to agree to make things from the book so that people could just go out to dinner and eat Bulletproof. And um, that thing just still sticks in my mind, and, and I make it occasionally at home, and what you do is you, you put on a normal dressing that's in the book, and then you also just do a little drizzling uh, using the, the Bulletproof Mold Chocolate thing, and the chocolate flavor just explodes as a counterpoint to the vinegar and you're like, really? This is a zero-sugar thing except for the pears? And like, I don't know. It, that one stands out to me. Is just fantastic. You know what I can bit.
2: see in that is that sweet and tart taste Yeah, that people love, the combination yeah. of those two together. Because you get that tartness from the vinegar, and then you get the sweetness from the chocolate. It's kind of like, like sweet and salty,
1: like kettle corn. What's your very favorite recipe? I mean, I, I, it's like a labor of love to make recipes in a book. Like I, unless so unless you're if you're listening to this and you've never like written a recipe book, it is it's it's, 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 it's like painting or something. It, it's just it's there's art, but there's just a lot of like energy that goes into it. Yeah, so You no. must have one where you're like okay, that's the one.
2: You know what? I would say the zucchini noodles, I am obsessed with zucchini noodles. I love them. I love them with grilled salmon on top or tilapia. I like them with any fish on top. It's probably my favorite thing on there.
1: So you would do dill and cayenne together on them? Or? I do
2: dill, cayenne, garlic powder. I'll just pour everything. I'll take everything that except for all the salt ones. I don't pour any of the salt ones on there. But I mean, there's so many others. Sometimes I'll do a bunch of cilantro in there. I mean, I change it up every time, but right now I'm on a dill kick.
1: Nice. Oh, cilantro is pretty amazing. I oh, love
2: I love cilantro too. Yeah, we go through a lot of that. I put that in all my salads, pretty much.
1: And, uh I want to switch gears a bit, uh, and I want to talk about your time in the military uh, because you you've definitely blazed some trails there, and and I, I'm really interested in the fight or flight response of humans, and, and so much of what we do throughout the day that, that gets triggered, uh, in in people whether they're uh, they're trained for combat or not. Uh, I have some, some former soldiers working for Bulletproof at, at high levels. And it's, and I've interviewed, you know, Navy SEALs and, and it's really interesting when you read books like on combat and all that, you find that, that there's a perspective on combat. And then there's a a perspective on like coming out of combat and like working in real life. And I want to know, what did your combat experience bring to either your training or your nutrition or just to, to your practice when, when you came out of out of war? Like, like, what did you bring with you that was useful and what didn't work for you?
2: Well, definitely not nutrition. Did not come out of the military. <laughs> Those MREs were not nutritious. I mean, okay. no now, nutrition. Did you, ever, did
1: you ever make an MRE smoothie in the field? Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> you know what we made was we opened the, the cocoa powder that was in the MREs. Have you ever seen? Have you ever opened an MRA before? I have. And there's it's always a the hot chocolate. We just poured water in, and that was our pudding. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> so bad. I mean, that's. <laughs> and then you get Skittles, and you, I mean, it was not healthy. So nutrition yeah. did not come out of the military. I feel like discipline. That would probably be the main thing. You know, my job. I I love my job, and I have now. But I loved the Marine Corps. I mean, I, I enjoyed my experience. Of course, it has ups and downs, just like any job. But it was it was such a great time of my life. Um, I wouldn't say war was necessarily fun. It was yeah. some, something I learned a lot from, um, have been able to carry that the rest of my life. It's discipline, hard work will get you to where you need to be. Um, that would probably be the biggest thing that I took from the military. And how to lead. Um, when I was over there, I led the first, so the Marine Corps has never had an all-female platoon. They formed one when we were in Iraq. For to search women Iraqis because men couldn't search them. So we formed a female Marine platoon, and then I became the platoon sergeant in that platoon, and we got attached to the infantry. So that was a big experience for me. I learned so much. Like I had to go to a lot of debriefings of like colonels and stuff, the real high ranked big dogs, because there wasn't anyone with this platoon. So I just learned so much just by being around such of the such high ranking people in the Marine Corps. Uh,
1: it's really interesting because uh, uh, I came across something just in the the weird reading that I do that that back in the Civil War, there were at least two hundred and fifty women who dressed as men and fought in combat because like it wouldn't be okay to to fight as a woman back then. So so even Lincoln apparently knew about this and was like, all right, that's fine. Like we you want to fight, you want to fight, that's cool. Uh, so those were like really early trailblazers. And did you did you have a hard time doing that? Because this is back in Iraq. This this isn't uh, isn't Afghanistan. So this was back when I think it was still pretty controversial, right?
2: It, women, are you talking about women in the Marine Corps? Or yeah. Women over there, yes. And it's something I have fought. I had requested masks. I can't even tell you how many times I fought to stay with my platoon because when we left for war from the states to go over there, they said you can't you can't go or so you can't be with the platoon. We're going where only males can go. I was like, I've trained all these years and you're telling me I can't go? Well, that's BS. That's not going to work. So they left and I got left here. There's another girl with me and we got left here in the States and I requested mass. And then they ended up sending us, well, we were going, we were just going with someone else. They wouldn't let us go where our unit was going. And so when we did get over there, they, um, they did finally let us, I, I finally won and got to the, the helicopter flew in and picked us up and took us back to our unit, which was really cool. But I encountered that several times in the Marine Corps and it's getting better. Like I wanted, I mean, I wanted to be like part of the Marine Corps recon. I wanted to do all that stuff like GI Jane. That was my dream. Like that's the kind of stuff I loved. Like I was like one day, maybe obviously that was not an option for female in the Marine Corps um, or in any branch at that point. But now it is changing and I'm like, Ooh, maybe I can go back in. (laughs) (laughs) I want to try that out but obviously I'm too old now but I just think it's so I think it's amazing that it's finally changing for women I I want all women to have the opportunity that men have I kind of see where they say women can't because men have a hard time have a harder time in war scenarios um, would want to defend a woman more than they maybe would a male it would be harder for them they'd be affected more by it but I feel like we're entitled to the same rights as guys
1: I, I hear you there. Uh, there was a, an interesting study in, in 2012 looking at fight or flight response, which is, of course, why I, I read it. It said that men are like genetically programmed with fight-or-flight, like you know, run away or kill, but that women tend to have a hormonal tend-and-befriend reaction. And so that's one argument that says you know, women shouldn't be in combat. But there's another argument that says that the absence of the male gene would make you a better warrior. Because you're not dealing with fight or flight, right? Because a tendon-befriend reaction actually lets you act more rationally and with more control than you know pure, pure blind kill them all kind of stuff.
2: I don't know. Um, I could see good in both of those traits. I I mean, I don't know which one's better. I mean, as long as they're not too nurturing. Obviously, I think that would be a hard trait to have while you're over there. If you're more of a nurturer, that probably wouldn't be as a woman that has that kind of soft, tender heart. Probably not the right place for you, but those kind of people aren't going to fight in war. Those are not the ones that are signing up. The ones that are signing up have that drive and have that desire. And if they don't, they're not signing up for the jobs that are going to put them in that spot. They're signing up for different jobs. And so I feel like the ones that are signing up for the job have the drive to get out there and do the same thing as the men.
1: And with an all volunteer military, it's it's very different than in a draft situation. Too, Absolutely, like, you know, you yeah. you signed up for this, you wanted that, and and, and so you know, you're doing it. That that's a, another big part of it. But I, I find it fascinating because you know I I'm obviously a male. I mean, have a male response to fight or flight stuff, but I, uh, to imagine that you have a different, at least uh, on average, women have have a different uh, fight or flight response than men do, especially in combat situations. I don't even think that's been studied very well in books like On Combat and On Killing, which are just fantastic books about the neurology of what happens in emergency situations. It's like man, 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 man. They, they barely talk about women in those books because most of the history of combat is men. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there is great science and research to be done here and it'll probably generalize to what you know female firefighters or female paramedics or emergency room doctors and first responders, like, like what they do as well. But I, I hope we do more research on that because I think it'd be cool.
2: I think it'd be very interesting. I mean, I wouldn't. I would love to be in the military still. It was a great place. Um, it didn't. The timing was time for me to get out. But I think it. I think the Marine Corps is an amazing. Amazing job. Amazing career to have. I wouldn't change anything I did.
1: You're you're still serving in a different way now. So you know, when when you take the time to put together, you know, a book that that can change people's lives, that that's another kind of service. So uh, I appreciate that as well. Now, we're up to the end of the show. And I've got one more question for you. And if someone came to you tomorrow and, and said, look, based on everything you know, you, you're a trainer, you've been in the military, you've done all sorts of other stuff, and based on your entire life's experience, what are the three pieces of advice you'd have for me so that I could kick more ass at everything I do? So I want to perform better at life, what do I need to know?
2: One, you have to get your eating under control. Number one, I feel like you, we have to find a way to balance out your eating. Um, If you can eat clean, I feel like you can control so many aspects of your life. Uh, We need to move more. We need to... Because when you move, you have more energy, so then you can do more. Not only are your workouts going to be more productive. I'm not talking about just strictly working out. I'm talking about just moving in general. Your workouts are more productive. When you sit all day, you get home and you're exhausted. Because you sat all day, your body's stiff, you're uncomfortable, then it's hard to work out. The more you move, the better you just feel. Um, And then discipline, I mean, we all have to find discipline. Discipline can get us, discipline is what keeps us from eating junk food when maybe we know we want it, but it's not our time to have it. Um, Discipline is just, I think, a key to a lot of success. Hard work and discipline are the two things that are going to get you where you want to be.
1: Well, thanks for your advice. Uh, you've been listening to Aaron Oprea, author of The 4x4 Diet. Uh, Aaron, where can people find out more about your diet, about your work, about your celebrity clients? What, where, where should they go to learn more?
2: You know what? I have a couple places we can go. You can go to my Instagram, uh, at Aaron Opria, Oprea, O P R E A, or you can check me out on my website, erinoprea.com. O P R E A. A lot of people get confused on that. Lots of different spellings. And my there's a link for my book on my website, the four x four diet. So check that out. And uh, yeah. here's a here's a picture of the cover of it. If you guys haven't seen it yet.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, hold that up. Can hold it close to the camera so we can get it. You guys get that. All right.
2: Awesome, um, we'll
1: include that thank in you the, in the show notes people can check that out uh, They want to look at that and check out some of the recipes and how you've written about Tabata intervals which is a really good way uh, to, to get a good workout. and uh, uh, I really appreciate being on Bulletproof Radio. Hey, thanks
2: for having me. It's been great. It's wonderful talking to you
1: If you enjoyed today's show, you know what to do actually there's a couple things you could do one is check out the 4x4 diet um, this is one of those those books you want to really learn about the exercise you want to look at what foods you can avoid Different ideas about timing of nutrients. I'm open to different ideas all the time, and you should be too and there's a couple other things You could do one is Did I mention the new love of my life bulletproof InstaMix? if I didn't I should have because we just came out with this and I've been working on this for about three years to find a powder, a packet, that gives you the grass-fed butter, the Brain Octane. You open up the packet, you pour it into your fresh-brewed Bulletproof coffee, shake it, stir it up, and you've got real Bulletproof coffee on the road, in the office. No mess, no stickiness, no nothing. And Brain Octane oil raises ketones way better than MCT oil. And it turns out coconut oil Raises ketones less than fasting coconut oil doesn't work you get a little suppression of hunger you want to suppress hunger all the way Use enough brain octane to raise your ketones to 0.5 on a blood meter And that is shown in a couple studies to affect levels of cck which is your fullness hormone and levels of of ghrelin, which is your food craving hormone. So you want to turn off hunger? Try some bulletproof coffee. You can make it more easily with InstaMix. You can subscribe and save a bunch of money. We'll just send it to you every month. You're good to go. And this has absolutely changed my travel. And while you're ordering that, we already talked about the bulletproof chocolate fuel bars, also infused with with uh, bulletproof XCT oil and zero sugar. You put these things together, you've got super amounts of the right fats. It tastes amazing. And who doesn't like coffee and chocolate? Like, my God, the kind of living. Have a beautiful day.
0: A Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey.